to church this morning, we're actually going to teach you on a new song. And, you know, on the way in this morning, I was kind of challenged with this thought of when was the last time that we took these songs that we sing and made them our prayers? Because, you know, in Scripture, when we see the, the book of Psalms, when we see songs that are written down, that's the prayer of that person at that time. And when we sing our songs together, how often we, do we take these and make them not only the prayer for us, but the prayer for our church and the prayer for our world? And this morning, I'm going to teach you all a new song. It's called Anything is Possible. And it declares that there's nothing that our God can't do. And this morning, do we believe that? Do we make it our prayer this morning? Do we declare it with all the faith in us that anything is possible through him? So today, let's make it our prayer. There is no shadow that is ever Can't do. Show me a mountain. 
morning I'm going to tell you why but I I'm going to tell it in a way that I think everyone in here at least has a simple understanding of I believe that anything is possible through our God because of what Jesus did on the cross I believe that anything is possible because he took three nails for me I believe anything is possible because I know that when his body went into that grave, that it, it did not stay there. And this morning, as we take communion like we do every week, yeah, communion can be this time of reverence. It can be a time of a solemn time. But it can also be a time of celebration, a time of thanksgiving for what God has done for what he did through Jesus to make anything possible through his name. So here in just a moment, I'm going to invite you all to take communion. And as we do that, let's thank him. Let's praise him today. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful. We're so grateful that our words can't express how we feel about you. We're so grateful for the cross, God. We're so grateful for the tomb. We're grateful that that tomb is empty. 
And because of that, we have power in your name. We have power in your resurrection. And we know because of that, anything is possible if we call on you today. So today, as we take our communion, God, as we take time to reflect upon the cross, let's remember the power that we have through that. Remind us of that today, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
God creates moments for us. So Father, I pray that right now you'll you'll create another moment as we dig into your word. Stuff we want to talk about today, God, was it's transformational. It's how you launched the church as believers that live in a completely different nation and different continent across halfway across the world from where this all started what we're going to look at today is how it began to spread to us so god i hope i hope that you'll just uh, speak into us that you'll create a moment of learning that'll motivate us to launch into new horizons that you have for us in jesus name we pray amen so glad you guys are here today. Welcome to everybody that's on campus. Uh, welcome to everybody online. I, guess I want to say a special shout out today online to uh, Ben and Becky, the Yost family, are part of our church that moved to Ohio, but they worship with us every week online. And so uh, just so thankful for that opportunity uh, that we have. I, I need to make a confession as we start this morning. <clears throat> Please don't hold this against me. I never was a Star Wars fan. (laughs) Didn't like Battlestar Galactica. Sorry. In fact, I've never seen a complete showing of either or any of those movies. Sorry. I did, however, kind of like Star Trek. <laughs> Come on, Ron, me and you, man. <clears throat> I mean, there's something cool. There's something cool about to boldly go where no man has gone before. The only thing they did wrong with that, by by all estimates, the the intro to Star Trek, that statement should have been read by James Earl Jones. You know what I'm saying? To boldly go where no man has gone. But this is the coolest thing. I mean, it's like, you know, that, that ought to be our mantra for everything we do. And come on now, 
Transporters are the coolest thing ever, right? I mean, when you're a kid growing up and they start doing the beam me up Scotty and you can just like go from here to there and just like, you know, in, in a split second and, and, and it, like you see all the particles going and then they come back together perfectly in that new place. I mean, it is the coolest thing in the world. And then when they're in that new place and they're on the adventure and all of a sudden things get like, you know, hairy and it's not like, like they're kind of in danger. They can just, once they get beam me up Scotty and they're out of trouble I mean you think about it this week think about last week so did you have a moment last week in the last seven days since we were together have you had at least one moment when you would have liked to said beam me up Scotty just get me out of this situation and take me back to someplace more comfortable well, I want you to see that as we're in this series called Launch, about the early days of the church, as it launched a vehicle that God would use to change the world, that centuries before Gene Rodenberry created the world of Captain Kirk and Star Trek, a man named Philip found himself instantly transported to and from situations where he was called to carry out the great commission of Jesus. It was the early days of the launching of the greatest vehicle ever, the church of Jesus Christ, that launched on the day of Pentecost and and Philip became one of these early advocates that took the church boldly to places it had never gone before. I, here's, you're going to need this today, okay? I hope if you have your Bible with you, you need to get it out right now, okay? Because you need to have it there, because I'm going to show you some things, uh, some dots that you may have never connected before. If you didn't bring one, reach up underneath the seat in front of you or get it out on your phone or whatever, because I want you to see some things. And if you don't have it, at least take your phone and take a picture of some things as we explain some things on the screen, okay? But before Before we jump to Acts chapter 8, where we meet this guy, Philip, I need to set the backstory for you, okay? I need to help you see all that you can see and see the fulfillment of Jesus' instruction. Because before Jesus left planet Earth and was transported back to heaven, he revealed a mission, okay? And in your Bibles, at the very end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew's telling of Jesus' life and ministry, at the very end of that, Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 and 20, Jesus reveals the mission. You guys know, a lot of you guys could quote this very well. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach those new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. That statement alone sounds kind of Star Trekish, you know. You know, uh, to boldly go where no man has gone before, and I'll be with you. I'll be with you as you go. The practicality of the mission is seen right at the very beginning of Jesus' great commission. Now, it's right there at the very beginning of verse 19, and it, and most often... Most often, we have a word that's translated with just two letters. Very small word. It says, go. 
But here's what you got to understand. Some of you guys know this very well, okay? But others may not understand this. In that great commission, that little word go is not the command. That's not the command here. I'm going to go English professor 101 on you for just a minute here, okay? In the Greek, the word that we translate go is actually a present participle, which means it's a word that is in action. Not only a word of action, it's a word of continual action, continual process. And it would most, most perfectly, most directly be translated while you are going. While you are going. So Jesus, getting ready to go back to the Father, says to the disciples that are together, Hey guys, listen up. For the rest of your life, for the rest of the time that you have here, while you are going, it's the same idea that Paul used. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I love how the message translates that. A lot of verses just say, don't be transformed by the, uh, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Here's how the message translates Romans 12, 1. You take your ordinary, your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And Jesus tells his disciples, which now includes many of us who have chosen to be followers, while you are going through your everyday routine of the rest of your life, here comes the command, make disciples. That's the command in the Great Commission, is to make disciples. While you are going, doing everything that you do, and we can make our own list, some that are young enough that are still going to school, while you are getting up and going to school, some of us it's while you're going to work, others it's just while you're doing whatever you're doing, while you're doing that, make disciples. What Jesus was letting us know is, disciples are the spiritual astronauts that are going to launch this vehicle to places it has never gone. In fact, I'm convinced that for us as a church, that God has plans to take us places we've never gone before and places we don't even know about yet. If while we are going, if while in just a few moments when we leave here, if for the rest of our breathing days here on earth, if while we are going, we are ready, willing, and able to make disciples, to make disciples of all nations. Now, look at the Great Commission again. Look at those verses there in Matthew 28. It says, while, while go is not the command, make disciples is. And it, it, you see, what we've got to understand, some people try to make disciples all their lives. We've got men and women around the world that are living in places that are really angry about this mission. And making a disciple, they may spend their whole life to make one. But what's critical is 
willing to try? Are, are you willing to try? We may think that we live in a hostile world when it comes to our faith, but we live in one of the most open places to people listening to a gospel message, a mission of Jesus Christ that there is in the whole world. So are we willing to try? Because not attempting, not even trying to make disciples is not an option if we're followers of Christ. Not trying to make disciples is, uh, well, it's a failure in the launch system of Jesus Christ. So here's how it happens. Jesus in that great commission talks about us teaching. There's the original teaching, the sharing of the good news of Jesus and how important it is to trust in him, to put our faith in him, of how important it is to confess his name, of how critical it is that we repent of our sins. And then he says to baptize people for the forgiveness of those sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then there's further teaching. We call that discipleship. We, we, we call that growing in Christ, learning more about what it means to be a disciple. And that's our mission possible if we choose to launch. Now I want you to, with that in mind, I want you to flip over. Because that was the mission as Jesus revealed it, but that mission needed power. It needed power to launch. So flip over in your Bibles to the book of Acts, but go to Acts chapter 1. We were there several weeks ago. Go back to Acts chapter 1, and the mission is given power. It's given power. The power is promised, and it actually comes in Acts 2. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will then be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. See, remember, this whole book of Acts is an extension of the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke's version of the early church luke's gospel was his version of what he learned and heard and was told about what jesus did and so he writes what we have is the gospel of luke and then he writes a sequel which is about the early church and he starts off the sequel going back to the end of what jesus said and he kind of gives his version his way of putting down the great commission where jesus said while you're going make disciples and in acts one luke's version is and while you're going you're going to receive power from the holy spirit and you'll be my witnesses he says for this thing to work you guys can't do it on your own all right that's one of, we got to walk away, away from here today going, I can't do this on my own. When you get to that point of saying, I can't do this, this whole thing of making disciples, I can't do this on my own. You're ready to launch. Because part of it is understanding that we can't do it alone, but that we need power and the power has come to us and is available to us. And when you receive the power here, Luke's version, Jesus says, when you receive the power, start here in Jerusalem, that's where they were, and then launch to the rest of the world in this ripple effect. In fact, if you were to look, a, look at a map of the Middle East and start in Jerusalem, if you start right there at Jerusalem, you can just, you know how they have, the trees have the veins in them that go out from the center and you can kind of count how old the, the tree is by the number of circles around it. It's kind of that ripple effect of it spreading. If you, if you were to look at a map 
And compared to the book of Acts, you've got Jerusalem right in the center. That's where they were. And then there's this ripple effect of it going out from there. Places around Jerusalem, literally now all the way to Shelbyville, Kentucky. Around the world. It's, it's kind of like this, the ripple effect of, of a tidal wave tsunami that just keeps spreading. And the cool thing about that is Jesus had also made us a promise about that spread of the gospel. When he was talking to Peter, he said, Peter, I'm going to start this thing called the church. I'm going to build it on your faith and the gates of hell will not stand up against it. Have you ever seen a tsunami hit land? Nothing will stand against it. And Jesus says that's the kind of stuff that the church can be. Let's just hit the world, but you've got to get the power first. You've got to get the power to launch. This, this stuff is 2,000 years old. And, and the more I read that this week, the more I got this question in mind. Why haven't we already won the world to Christ? We've had 2,000 years. Why haven't we already won the world to Christ? And then I realized... it's because Satan hacked our launch sequence. He continues to hack our launch sequence by allowing us to feel comfortable in our nice air-conditioned church with padded pews and seats and cool technology. See, the church today isn't firing on all cylinders because we've allowed the world to make the rules. Instead of following Jesus' launch sequence, we've allowed the world to make the rules, rules which God never intended the world to make. See, the world says the church has to remain quiet on moral issues, on political issues. The church has to meet when and how we say they can meet. Stay over on your launch pad, church. Separate. (laughs) Stay separated from things in your city, in your state, in your country, and in the world. Jesus never said that. He said, launch. He said, you're going to get power and you need to launch. And and when I read this, God says, wait for the power. But when you get it, launch. Launch into the whole world. Now, here's the cool part. I want to show you some things. Now flip over to Acts 8. That's where we're going to find this guy named Philip. This is the coolest thing. I want you to see. Don't don't forget Matthew 28 and Acts 1 because it's the coolest thing. Because now the mission is underway and we have liftoff, all right? We have liftoff that started in the book of Acts. It started when the power was promised. And then in Acts 2, the church is born. In Acts chapter 3, the church in Jerusalem is growing. It's multiplying. People will be added to their numbers daily. But then in chapters 4 and 5... The church comes under scrutiny. And the church then in Acts chapter 6 has some needs. The, the message is growing, but there's some needs. They've got to get organized. Just a, a handful of guys can't do it. They have to get organized, so they get deacons. And they get organized. They get deacons to take care of feeding the widows and orphans and, and eventually other things. And then the church is really challenged in Acts chapter 7. We talked about that last week, this guy named Stephen, who stood strong, had the courage to stand strong in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution. And Stephen was stoned to death. And the persecution really started. 
That's what Acts 8 says. Look there in your Bibles. In Acts 8, 1, see what it says there? It says, a great wave. There's that wave again. A great wave of persecution begins the day that Stephen is killed. But I want you you to check this out. Okay, you would think there's this great wave of persecution. It's coming. It's headed for the beach. All right, but look what happens. It says, all the believers, except for the apostles, were scattered throughout where? Where were they scattered? Throughout Judea and Samaria. Hmm. That sounds familiar. Isn't that where Jesus wanted them to go? The believe it says there in verse 4, if you skip on down, in chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, the believers preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Sounds like great commission stuff. They, they started teaching. They started making disciples. And then we get introduced or reintroduced to this guy named Philip. He actually went to Samaria. He actually went to Samaria just like Jesus had said. Here's something I want you to see that's cool. If you look, think back, Acts chapter 1, 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. What did, what did Jesus say? You're going to receive power, and then you're going to go and you're going to spread the gospel here, starting here in Jerusalem and then to Judea and Samaria. Well, just flip the numbers and go to Acts 8, 1, and look where they went. To Judea and Samaria. They went and they're doing exactly what Jesus has said. And Philip's leading the charge into Samaria. And, and if you've spent much time in the Bible at all, you know that any, any person taking the gospel into Samaria, that, that's going out on a limb, Jews and Samaritans and all that kind of stuff. But Philip goes there and it says he taught the people and great crowds listened to what he had to say. Now, part of the reason they listened was Acts 1.8. He had received the power that was promised. And so in addition to being willing and courageous enough to launch and to go, when he went and he spoke, he spoke eloquently, but he also had the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to perform some miracles and do some things that nobody had ever seen done that at least they allowed him to, to have a platform to draw an audience to where they could listen to what he had to say. And if you look in Acts chapter 8 and verses 12 and 13, it says, many people, lots of the people heard and believed and were baptized and one of them was a guy named simon simon heard what philip was saying and he was amazed now just to be honest and just to be real if you go on and you read further this simon guy had some issues (laughs) he had some issues in his life he practiced sorcery or magic And so he sees Philip performing miracles, and he's intrigued by that. He's intrigued by that. He's, I want some of that. Little did he know that really what he wanted was not the miracles, but what Philip was teaching, all right? But he listens, he listens, and he actually accepts and is baptized, all right? And is baptized, but then he continues to watch, and then Simon does something that as you read through there, you can see. Simon actually tries to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. He's like, I want that. I want to be able to do that. And how much is that going to cost? So here's what we've got. We've got this new thing launching, okay? But we've got this one dude who's got some nefarious intentions, 
and he wants to buy the Holy Spirit. He accepts the challenge. He gets baptized, but he doesn't fully understand. So immediately they kick him out of the church, right? Stay with me. There's a lot of places in the world today that that is exactly what would happen. Somebody comes in and they don't get it fully. And rather than fulfilling the rest of the Great Commission, which Jesus said to teach them everything I have commanded, we just push them to the side. We just kick them out. But that's not what I read that happens here. In fact, what happens is Peter and John arrive on the scene to check things out at this new church plant in Samaria. And they find Simon and others that don't fully understand. So they they don't kick them out. They teach them some more. They teach them more fully. They teach them everything that was commanded by Jesus. It's the very same thing, same type of thing, different issue, same type of thing, though, that happens and is recorded in Acts chapter 18 when this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, come upon this guy named Apollos who is teaching, but he's not teaching completely. He's not teaching everything. And so they pull him aside quietly is what one translation says. I've got this picture in my mind. I've got this picture in my mind of my grandparents and how they were strong in their faith, but they weren't going to be in your faith. Kind of, they would, they would have, they would have said, "Hey, pause, come here, come here, come here," and they pu- pulled him aside quite to teach him a more adequate way, is what it says, to teach him the gospel more accurately and adequately. And I think it's the same thing. As going. Part of what we've got to do is we've got to launch and we've got to begin the process of making disciples. We've got to share the gospel with them. We've got to get them baptized. We've got to teach them to, to believe and to trust and to confess and repent. But then we've got to keep on teaching. We got to keep on teaching, and that's what happened. And it's really neat. In verse 24, it says that Simon asked Peter and John to pray for him, that these evil, these bad things they had said would happen, wouldn't happen to him. Now, there, there's, there's argument that goes back and forth, depending on different scholars, about whether Simon actually really accepted the, the real teaching, but he at least had that moment of clarity where he said, I, okay, would you pray for me? That wouldn't have happened if they hadn't taught him more adequately. That wouldn't have happened if they hadn't continued making disciples. But now let's get to verse 26, because this is the cool part, all right? In verse 26, we see Philip receives this specific mission from God. He sees this mission from God to go south, to go south toward Gaza. And that's on, and, and Gaza is, is going south from Samaria and down through Jerusalem. And then there's this path down to Gaza, which is kind of in the southwest corner of the Middle East, just before you cross over into Africa. And it says that the Bible tells us that while he's on the way there, he meets a guy from Ethiopia. Where's Ethiopia? It's the northern part of Africa. You see what's going on here? Do you see what's going on here? It's the uttermost parts of the earth. And and Philip meets this guy from Ethiopia. The Bible tells us he's a man of great power who's gone up to Jerusalem to worship. The Bible tells us that. So he must have been at some level of conversion. He's gone up to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way back home, he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he's confused. He, he just started reading and he's confused. 
And so God sees this and sends Philip on this divine appointment to teach this man. It's disciple making. And and Philip starts a conversation with him. In fact, it's really kind of a cool picture the way the Bible describes it. Because there's this Ethiopian in in some kind of, some kind of uh, uh, carriage, chariot, something. And he's going along. And the Bible says that Philip ran alongside of him. I've just got a funny picture of this dude running alongside the cart that's moving and trying to talk along the way. And finally, the Ethiopian says to Philip, says, why don't you get in the carriage with me? and teach me because philip said hey what's going on what are you doing i'm reading this stuff you get it i don't understand this how am i going to understand unless somebody teaches me and he says why don't you get in here and teach me and so philip gets into the carriage and sees what this ethiopian man has been reading it's from isaiah and he's reading this passage from isaiah he's reading where it says that he was led like a sheep to the slaughter This is in Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus. But the prophet Isaiah is saying he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. He was silent and didn't open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. He was taken from the earth. And and, and the Ethiopians got questions about who is this that Isaiah is talking about? And the door swings open, cracks open. And Philip has a moment, has that moment where he can walk through that door and introduce this guy to Jesus. He says, this Jesus you fit up in Jerusalem, he's the guy that Isaiah was talking about. He, it says that Philip told him the good news about Jesus. That's disciple making. And so we don't know how long they talked, but they were riding along and they were talking about Jesus and they were talking about everything. And Philip had to have. He had to have gotten to the point in his teaching about becoming a disciple where he talked about baptism. Because suddenly, while they're riding along, this Ethiopian sees water and says to Philip, there's water, what's stopping me from being baptized right now? And they stop the the carriage, the chariot, and Philip goes down in the water and baptizes this guy from Ethiopia and Africa and the gospel is beginning to spread. That's the cool thing. When people, when people get vulnerable enough to share their faith and, and God opens the door, God opens the door. They don't, Philip didn't have to push for the question. I think that's critical that when we read the scripture here, because we got to take scripture for what it is. And when we get here in this scripture, it's not Philip that says, Hey, there's water. It's this guy who's been taught who says, Hey, there's water. Will you baptize me? That's what's happening here, guys. Because in the middle of a pandemic this year, we've seen 25 people get in there and be baptized. But the coolest part of that is 15 different people have been in there baptizing people this year. And only four or five of them are staff members. That means there's a whole lot of friends that are getting serious about making disciples. And they're sharing the good news with their friends and family members to the point that they say, Hey, will you baptize me? And that's the coolest thing in the world because that's when the gospel is launching to the rest of the world and then as they're coming up out of the water Philip goes Star Trek (laughs) as they're coming up out of the water 
Philip's transported away to another mission that eventually led him to Caesarea, where he remained and taught. But the Bible says the Ethiopian left rejoicing. Now, if he left rejoicing, it doesn't say the Ethiopian looked around and said, where's Philip? It just says he went left rejoicing and no doubt taking the gospel message that he just received with him back to Ethiopia. And the world is being reached. There's only three times in all the Bible that we even see this guy, Philip. In Acts chapter 6, he's selected as one of the deacons. Here in this story, in Acts chapter 8, he's sent as a missionary during persecution. And then in Acts 21, 8, he's mentioned one time, being a leader in Caesarea, continuing to share the good news. That's the story of Philip. That's all we got. So what's that mean for us? Mission was revealed by Jesus. It was launched on the day of Pentecost. Begin to scatter because of persecution. But guys, listen to me very carefully. The mission hadn't changed. The mission hadn't changed. And so I want to just be really crystal clear, perfect this morning. In all of our services about what the mission is for everybody here. Step one, phase one is to accept Jesus. To accept Jesus. To trust, confess, repent, and be baptized. To accept Jesus. And then phase two starts. In fact, phase two starts no later than the moment that you come up out of the baptistry. Maybe even before is when phase two starts. Because phase two is, and while you are going, because you've got to keep on living, you've got to keep on living. And then phase three is to determine who's your one. No, Philip had a one pointed out to him. He went to Samaria not knowing, and he just runs into this guy named Simon. But then later, he has a one pointed out to him. God says, I want you to go down, and, and, and somebody's going to run into you. And he has this Ethiopian revealed to him. But who's your one? Who's your one? Phase four, then once you determine who your one is, you start building relationships. Start getting to know them. Start being friends. Phase five is you share what you know. Just share what you know. Doesn't have to be deep and, and, and theological. Just share what you know about Jesus, about the man that changed your life. And, and, and then when, when they ask, be ready to baptize your friend in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to, to help change their life forever. And, and then phase seven, just keep teaching them. Don't baptize them, pat them on the back and say, good luck. How many of you did that with your kid when you brought them home from the hospital? No, you helped them to grow. You, you helped them to change. And then phase eight, here's the fun part. Grandkids are awesome, aren't they? Aren't grandkids the best thing in the world? You know what's really cool? Spiritual grandkids. It's when you talk with your one who you help lead to Christ and you help them to determine who their one is and then you get to sit back and have spiritual grandchildren as you watch this thing explode but while you do that while you do that guess what your next phase is determine who's your next one because you don't just get one mark it off and be done who's your next one and then you repeat steps two through eight over and over and over again. Guys, listen to me very carefully. The bottom line is this. You have a mission. 
you have a mission. If you choose to accept it, you have a mission. You have power. You have power. The big question is, are you willing to go where you may have never gone before to carry out that mission? Would you guys stand with me? Maybe you're ready for step one today. Maybe you need to accept Jesus. Jason, Bradley, some other folks from our team. I'm looking around. We got elders, Terry's back there. We got folks that would be more than willing to help you with that journey. Maybe you've already made that decision. And if you're really honest with yourself right now, you can accept and acknowledge the fact that your launch sequence got paused. There's been a failure to launch, to carry out the mission that God gave you when you accepted it. And so maybe you just need to pray, God, would you just, would you just fire those engines again? Give me the courage and the boldness to launch and boldly take some steps that I've never ever taken before and when that door swings open and I'm riding with my friend and they say there's water what's keeping me for what's keeping you from baptizing me that you'll boldly go through that door and we'll see this tidal wave take over our community and our state and our nation and the world but we got to launch.
can't wait to see what God's going to do. Because he tells us that he's able to do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine. That, that verse always freaks me out. Because I imagine some really big stuff sometimes. I get some crazy dreams sometimes. And every time I read that, Paul says, you're not even close to what God's got in store. One of the things we need to do to launch is we need to know this word. And so this summer, starting the 1st of June, I want us to do something as a church during the, month of, uh, during the summer months of June, July, and August. I want to challenge our entire church family to read through the entire New Testament during the summer. And I've got a plan. Actually, I stole the plan, borrowed the plan. Some of you have version on your phones. version has a 90-day journey through the New Testament. Some of you don't have smartphones and don't have version, So I took their verses and put them on here. And they're down here at the front of the stage. So you got two weeks to either download the app, get it on your phone, and get ready to start June 1st, or you can pick one of these up. And some of you want to do both, because I kind of like marking things off when I know I've done it, all right? But 90 days we'll read from the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew all the way through the book of the end of Revelation. And then what could God do this fall? And so I want to encourage you, either download the app, look for the 90-day journey through the New Testament. I'll have it in the e-news this week. Uh, Come by the front of the stage and pick up some of these. Uh, If you're interested, you've been thinking about getting involved and joining the church, accepting Christ, our next Pathways is uh, about four or five weeks away in June. And so uh, Bobby and some others that are going to be in the Next Step room right after this can help you sign up. Uh, If you need to come to First Step, or if you've already been to First Step, you haven't been to Second, Third, step. Don't abort the mission, all right? You'll sign up, and we need you to be uh, involved in those things. And if this is your first Sunday here, and thanks so much for coming. We've got a special gift for you uh, out in the lobby at the I'm New Wall, and I encourage you to stop by there. Let's have a great week. Let's go launch and change the world. See you guys.